what needs to be also uh, looked at is that how Japan can build from here. And I think this is what uh, my piece, my last piece in the Japan forward was talking about. Mm-hmm. I think there are areas where Japan can build its capital and uh, uh, strengthen its uh, uh, own political and economic standing with the uh, European Union. For example, infrastructure uh, uh, cooperation, infrastructure promotion and connectivity promotion is one area. I think the broader European community, even though they are divided on China's Belt and Road initiatives, the broader European community still questions about the transparency, about the authenticity of China's Belt and Road initiatives. And that that is where the, chi- the that is where the the Japanese should really capitalize on and given Japan's transparent mode of promoting infrastructure, particularly quality infrastructure. And I think uh, this will be a a big opportunity to think about how to engage in a productive economic cooperation, particularly when it comes to infrastructure and connectivity promotion. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Here at Japan Forward, we bring to our audience issues that are of real importance in and about Japan from the perspective and context of people inside of Japan, as expressed or captured by them who truly understand the nuances of culture, issues, and current events. In today's session, we speak with Dr. Jagannas Panda, who is currently the head of Stockholm Center for South Asian and Indo-Pacific Affairs at the Institute for Security and Development Policy in Sweden. He is deeply focused on Indo-Pacific Affairs in relations of the region with Europe and is the author of the Asia's Next Page column on Japan Forward. Thank you to all our listeners and followers for joining us again for our weekly Twitter space. Every week we're seeing more people join us for this live conversation and appreciate it very much. Before we get things started, um, let me introduce um, ourselves. So uh, Japan Forward, for anybody unfamiliar with us, we started Japan Forward in 2017 with the goal to reach global audiences, sharing stories, opinions, and editorial content from Japan. Our mission, shared by our supporters and followers, is to raise awareness of the Japanese spirit, culture, and tradition. All right, and I'll be the host today. So my name is Galileo, and I work on um, Japan Forward's marketing and a lot of the tech and the dev side of, of, I guess, of the project and of the website. Um, we're still a small team. This is our fifth year anniversary coming up this June, and we have um, about a core team of four, five people. And today I, I have the pleasure to introduce our guest, Dr. Panda, and he has um, submit, uh, published with Japan Forward about 33 pieces. Very, very productive. And your very first piece was actually um, not, too, not too long ago. It was in tw- 2020 in, in May, I believe. It was in the first week of May. And the title was India, Japan Must Shift Strategies to Get UN Security Council Seat. And today we invite you because of your latest piece, um, the, re- the, re- the Revitalizing of Japan's Bergening European Connections. Um, the title of um, Dr. Panda's column on Japan Forward is Asia's Next Page. And we're happy to have you today. Uh, Galileo-san, good morning and thank you very much for that uh, kind introduction. And it's always a pleasure to write for Japan Forward. And um, I'm looking forward to the interaction today. Yeah. 
Yes, thank you. So, yeah, earlier we were talking. Um, yeah, from what I understand, you moved to, again, Sweden, <laughs> Sweden again. And, and you started, I think you started a new job or a new post. Could you share with our listeners what, you, what you've been up to? Oh, yes. Uh, it's still uh, early days here in Sweden. I'm based in Stockholm. Uh, I'm now working for a think tank called Institute for Security and Development Policy, ISDP, which is a 15 to 17 years old think tank. It's an emerging think tank. Um, and it has a, a strong program on Asia and uh, a strong program on Silk Road um, Initiative. Um, we have an office in um, Washington, D.C., but the headquarters here is in Stockholm. And uh, I am uh, the head of the newly established research center, which is uh, named as the Stockholm Center for South Asian and Indo-Pacific Affairs. Uh, as you know that you know um, uh, most of, most part of the europe is looking at indo pacific in a, a new way there is a strategic uh, reorientation happening throughout the europe um, for the last two to three years particularly given the fact the current tensions which is going on um, uh, between Ukraine and Russia, the European community wants to tie up more and more with the Asian community, particularly focusing on Indo-Pacific, um, you know, power uh, politics. And therefore, uh, ISDP decided to establish this new center called Stockholm Center for South Asia and Indo-Pacific Affairs. And they decided to invite me to join and head this center. So these are only days for me to you know, start working here, but uh, I could see that there is a lot uh, to research about, talk mm -hmm. about, and involve, uh, and, you know, make that uh, strategic connect to happen between Europe and Asia, particularly Europe and uh, India, Europe and Japan, Europe and the broader Indo-Pacific community. Well, it sounds like a very, very um, heavy, heavy role, and we wish you the best in this new position. And it's very exciting. Thank you very you much. Part of this, and I think it will be very pivotal, pivotal for you, EU and Asia relations. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's get to it. We, we thank you for your yeah, contribution to Japan Forward. And I particularly like, um, I read, I've, I guess I've read most of your um, submissions or your, your articles because what you provide for us is an, a perspective from outside of Japan. And, and we do like that. We, we see that um, a lot of our content is, a, is, a, is getting balanced now with lots of domestic um, writers, people who live here in Japan or who have an extensive experience of living in Japan. Um, but you also give us this other perspective of you know, someone who's looking at or looking to Japan um, from where you are, and you share your insight and wisdom um, with the articles that you wrote. And the recent one you wrote was the revitalizing of Japan's bargaining European connections. And in the context of trade and investment, you wrote, um, China's relationship with EU is deteriorating. So what kind of opportunities does Japan have in this dy dynamic? Oh, yes. I think uh, if we talk about China, which is the biggest actor in uh, Europe, particularly given its trade and economic contacts, the China's relationship with the uh, European Union is not really stable. In fact, uh, even though for last, uh, uh, you know, two, three years, the Chinese are constantly trying to reframe the China-EU ties. And uh, in 2019-20, the Chinese started uh, signing the, you know, the comprehensive agreement on investment. But that, uh, that has not really made any progress yet. And uh, 
the CAI, the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment, still, you know, stalled today. Um, and given the Ukraine crisis and the kind of uh, uh, position the Chinese have taken in terms of supporting Russia, and I think uh, the European communities are more or less uh, are negative about China. Of course, earlier there was always a question mark about China's stance on the Belt and Road initiatives. But today, the China's political standing on the Ukraine crisis, China's uh, you know diplomatic posturing in the broader European Union is uh, very much questionable. And uh, that has not really helped uh, the neither the comprehensive agreement on investment uh, uh, you know uh, to to move forward not the china eu relationship has made a steady progress so therefore one can say that um, probably given the ukraine crisis china's relationship with the eu um, is not stable and probably it is deteriorating and this is an opportunity moment for Japan and for many other countries in Asia or in the Indo-Pacific regions, including India. And I think uh, from Japan's point of view, and uh, Japan is a strong economic actor in um, in European Union and in the continent of Europe. And uh, given the kind of uh, you know um, uh, diplomacy Japan engages with the broader European community, that is actually seen very positively and. Uh, most widely as an alternative kind of diplomacy to China. So therefore, there are every possibility for Japan to capitalize from here on and to look Europe from a new context, from a new viewpoint. And I think the European community would like to see a more engaging Japan and a more um, you know, multilateral Japan along with India coming to the European Union and trying to promote a trilateral uh, formulations with um, EU, Japan, India, or a trilateral formulations among EU, US, and Japan. So uh, I think the broader European communities are positive about Japan, and they they want to see Japan in a new context, um, given the current crisis in Ukraine. Um, uh, the Japanese have actually uh, come to the forefront in terms of standing with the Ukrainian cause. They're supporting Ukraine's you know, uh, humanitarian crisis, and that has been well received. So definitely this is an opportunate moment for Japan, and Japan should take advantage of not only the deteriorating relationship between um, EU and China, but also to capitalize more space for for its own diplomacy, for its own economic standing in the region, and more importantly, to emerge as a global power because Europe is a key continent uh, for the global posturing, and Japan should take advantage of that process. I totally agree. And I think this um, this opportunity is not just for in the benefit or in interest of Japan itself, but I think there's also some synergy for the surrounding Asian countries that will benefit if Japan makes um, you know a good uh, you know a good decision or good move to to create stronger ties with EU. Um, okay, another comment that caught my attention was quote. In the wake of the Ukraine or Russian war, Japan has emerged as one of, if not the strongest Asian voice against Putin. It has allowed for the strengthening of the Japan, US, EU trilateral and bilateral alliances, making China wary. So first of all, was this a surprise to you? Or in another sense, did you have any expectations from Japan to move or act in a certain way during this, this war? To be honest, uh, it was not at all surprising, given the uh, you know historical track re- record or the previous track record. J- Japan 
has in terms of standing for humanitarian cause and uh, humanitarian rehabilitations in the greater uh, global politics, uh, Japan's uh, standing is not at all surprising. But what really triggers me is that how eloquently, how openly um, Japan has actually been critical uh, towards Russia's action plan. Um, uh, this is a little shift for me, given the uh, fact that over the last 10 years, there was an attempt to rebuild the Japan's ties with Russia. So the Ukraine crisis has actually encouraged Japan to question Russia's activities, to question China's activities, and to question the Russia-Japan, uh, sorry, Russia-China uh, ties in a broader context. So to me, um, the way Japan has reacted and taken a strong um, stand uh, on Russia uh, criticizing Russia's uh, military action plan in Ukraine has uh, been a little surprise. But I think the most important point here needs to be mentioned, um, noted is that I think if we see Japan's um, political standing and political posturing um, in the global affairs, it has more um, has uh, sidelined always with the U.S. Um, with the with its alliance partner United States of America, and so to that extent, I think. Uh, uh, Tokyo is right, and its position is quite understandable. And the, given the war kind of situation and the kind of tensions that is there in European broader European context today, I think um, <coughs> standing and sharing concerns with the US and with the broader European community is quite understandable and welcomed. And uh, this is what I was pointing out that today, if we try to understand from the broader European community and from mm. their point of view, Japan is seen more as a proactive and positive power in European context, unlike mm. China, which has been criticized for its own action plan, uh, unlike Russia, which has traditionally been seen as a kind of a colonial and as a, as a, as a military threat for the European community, Japan is somewhat um, still enjoys a very positive approach and standing in mm -hmm. the broader European context. But um, I think what needs to be also uh, looked at is that how Japan can build from here. And I think this is what uh, my piece, my last piece in the Japan forward was talking about. Mm -hmm. I think there are areas where Japan can build its capital and uh, uh, strengthen its uh, uh, own political and economic standing with the uh, European Union. For example, infrastructure uh, uh, cooperation, infrastructure promotion and connectivity promotion is one area. I think the broader European community, even though they are divided on China's Belt and Road initiatives, the broader European community still questions about the transparency, about the authenticity of China's Belt and Road initiatives. And that that is where the, China, the, that is where the, the Japanese should really capitalize on. And given Japan's transparent mode of promoting infrastructure, particularly quality infrastructure, and I think uh, this will be a a big opportunity to think about how to engage in a productive economic cooperation, particularly when it comes to infrastructure and connectivity promotion. Uh, and we should not also forget one thing. And I think uh, today, the European Union has a global gateway strategy, which is a 3 billion uh, euros yeah. uh, uh, package for the next few years, for the next five years. Mm. And that actually complements... Uh, Japan's traditional infrastructure connectivity initiatives, which is the expanded partnership for quality infrastructure. So mm -hmm. there are space for the 
इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर क्वालिटी इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर कोऑपरेशन देर आर स्पेस फॉर ग्रेटर मल्टीलेटरल कोऑपरेशन दैट यू मेंशन अबाउट यूएस यूरोप एंड जापान ट्राइलेटरल कोऑपरेशन आज आई मेंशन ऑलियर देर इज स्कोप फॉर यूरोप ईयू इंडिया जापान ट्राइलेटरल कोऑपरेशन व्हिच इज एक्चुअली गोइंग टू बी माय नेक्स्ट पीस फॉर द एशियस नेक्स्ट पेज फॉर जापान फॉरवर्ड व्हिच शुड बी कमिंग नेक्स्ट वीक सो आई थिंक there are there is a multilateral space is also there for japan to uh, you know uh, capitalize on and the third thing is is the geopolitical ambition and i think mm. every countries every country's foreign policies are factored um on geopolitical ambitions and japan should not be seen differently yeah. and these geopolitical ambitions should not be at the cost of humanitarian values uh, should not be at the cost of humanitarian crisis but at the same time what i think we should do is that we should um establish a common platform to uh, build human resources and this is what good uh, about the japanese diplomacy japanese diplomacy has been seen quite positively in the european space for the last 2 uh, to 3 decades and uh, this is where japan could build up not only in europe but to emerge as a, a greater global power in times to come mm, definitely i think yes i i read that in your piece and you mentioned about um there's opportunities in multilateralism um and particularly you mentioned that there's the EU Japan economic partnership agreement um which uh was I guess initiated about 2 or 3 years ago um with a with a what trade budget with the trade amount has reached over 137 billion in USD um and I guess what you're proposing is that Japan Uh, proactively position itself as a good partner in EU we can see this number to to expand more um so you, for, for on that point you meant in multi multilateralism you talked about the EU Japan digital partnership um being vital and maybe would you be able to elaborate a little bit on that oh yes i think a digital partnership is uh, really a critical medium of cooperation in today's context and uh, i think if we talk about japan's foreign policy and japan's diplomacy uh, it is uh, focusing a lot on the digital diplomacy um, and uh, i think the this is a welcome uh, uh, welcome development for the broader european communities because in europe's foreign policy or strategic initiatives be it global gateway initiatives or um, be it the indo pacific strategy they are talking about today there is a, a emphasis on the digital diplomacy a lot and i think uh, this is where the european community wants to engage with the asian powers with the indo pacific powers uh, in a new context in a new way and japan is a critical partner india is a critical partner and uh, if we talk about eu japan um, comprehensive agreement uh, you know uh, documents or the strategic papers eu india strategic papers official briefings uh, in each of these official um, position papers there is a mention about the digital diplomacy di- digital cooperation and mm. when we are also we should not overlook to the fact that when we are talking about connectivity cooperation when we are talking about infrastructure cooperation i think one critical um, aspect of connectivity and infrastructure cooperation is the digital uh, uh, digital infrastructure uh, cooperation digital connectivity digital connectivity is an integral part of the multimodal connectivity so mm-hmm. i think um, to that context uh, there is a, a greater scope for eu and japan to cooperate mm-hmm. not only bilaterally 
Balt also globally uh, factoring the Indo-Pacific interest today. Mm, and I think uh, my next piece is going to talk about that in Japan Forward, which is about EU, Japan and India trilateral. This trilateral can be formed. Nobody has so far really talked about this trilateral. Yeah. And this trilateral um, has a greater opportunity to capitalize for in a range of issues, be it digital cooperation, digital connectivity, be it economic cooperation, or be it the maritime space. I think um, we should uh, look for new avenues of multilateral corporations and uh, um, uh, digital diplomacy, digital cooperation is just one uh, critical avenue in the entire context. Yes. Okay. Thanks for that comment. Um, so yeah, maybe we should take some uh, questions from some of our listeners. So if you if you have any questions for Dr. Panda, on on your mobile phone, you should see a heart um, icon or mark at the bottom of the screen. So if you, you press that and click the hand button, I'll select you so you can be a speaker. Any takers? <laughs> I guess if you're on your um, computer, you won't be able to ask any questions. If you're on your mobile phone, you would be able to. Or if, if you reply to our Twitter announcement, I can pick up the question there. And in the meantime, let me maybe ask one more question to Dr. Panda. Um, so you, you, I also agree that there's, there's a certain extent um, the, the digital partnership between EU and Japan will open up a lot of avenues in terms of communication, security, um, I guess financial opportunities. But um, I think in contrast to that, because of China's restrictions on their internet being closed and um, I guess not open to the rest of the world, um, do you think this is a way... So my question is, do you, how do you think China will, will respond to an EU-Japan digital partnership? Oh, yes, I think the Chinese are noticing uh, every uh, move that Japan or Japan's alliance partner uh, in Indo-Pacific, particularly U.S., is making in the regions. So to that context, I think uh, definitely the Chinese would be taking a strong note of uh, um, Japanese diplomacy as well as how the EU is trying to reach to Japan. But I think what we need to uh, keep it in mind is that in China's Belt and Road initiatives, there is a lot of changes are happening. And these changes are happening particularly in two specific areas. One on the digital front and also the second one is the, 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 the green technology or the environmental packages that the Chinese are trying to advertise about uh, promoting their Belt and Road initiatives. So I think um, uh, both Japan and EU needs to talk about two specific issues, how most of these initiatives, be it connectivity, infrastructure building, or the initiatives which are uh, based on science and technology cooperation, it should be environment friendly. And second, how digital diplomacy or digital cooperation between um, EU and Japan should also cater into the data protection and to the transparency and to become at the same time people's friendly. So I think this is one initiative that the Chinese are trying to uh, promote and um, both EU and Japan should not uh, overlook the, to this fact. In fact, um, I think uh, uh, there is already a noticeable uh, movement is happening in Chinese foreign policy today after the mm -hmm. pandemic. Even though within China, there is a lot of uh, 
news about how China is currently struggling in terms of tackling the pandemic. There mm. are bad news from Shanghai, uh, Beijing, from the major cities where pandemic is still on and the country is still um, battling how to handle the pandemic, um, particularly the coronavirus. But again, I think the Chinese diplomacy is already aiming to revitalize its diplomacy in terms of outreach, in terms of making goodwill gestures to Europe, to India, to South Asia, and including to the Indo-Pacific countries. In fact, uh, as you must have noticed, uh, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi uh, recently mm. visited a lot of countries in the neighboring countries. Right. And he talked about economic cooperation. And within that economic cooperation framework, there was a lot of discussion about uh, digital cooperation. So mm. I think uh, China is giving a lot of uh, stress on the digital part of the diplomacy in its foreign policy. And that should mm. not be overlooked. And uh, that must encourage uh, uh, Japan to you know, um, as accelerate its own diplomatic endeavors. And particularly for Japan, there is a greater space in Europe to capitalize on the digital diplomacy. When we are talking about uh, the Nordic countries, uh, particularly when uh, I am based in Sweden, I could see that uh, in Sweden, in Denmark, in Norway, and in Scandinavian regions, there is a lot of talk about sustainability and sustainable engagement between Japan and uh, EU. And I think that should not be a miss. Uh, both Tokyo should uh, focus on that, how to accelerate and how to advance the strategic cooperations as well as the digital cooperations, which is the fulcrum of um, EU-Japan economic partnership today. Okay, yes. Um, so yeah, Dr. Panda, thank you for your time and speaking with us today. It's good to hear from you and understand the issues you're monitoring, especially with the power players in Asia and Europe and your advice for Japan to take a more proactive approach in EU-Japan relations. We hope to share this sentiment with our audience more. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any announcements or anything you'd like to share to our listeners? No, just wanted to thank all the listeners for listening and uh, um, I would uh, encourage to read my next piece which is about EU, Japan and India trilateral. Uh, this is a trilateral has not been talked about and I think there is a great potential about, uh, you know, building this trilateral between Europe, even though uh, Europe looks like or the EU looks like a multilateral venture. But I think it makes sense to uh, connect with two of Asia's biggest economy, that is Japan and India. So please, uh, if you have interest to understand more about the diplomatic uh, engagement that is happening between Japan and Europe, particularly factoring with third countries like India or US, uh, please uh, read my column in the Asia's next page with the Japan forward. And uh, the next piece is going to be about Japan, um, e EU and India trilateral cooperation. And I'll, uh, I'll encourage you to read it and uh, share your comments if you have any. Thank yes. you. Yes, I also encourage our listeners, um, please look for Dr. Panda's articles on Japan forward. His column is called Asia's Next Page. Um, and looking forward to this, um, yes, tri trilateral piece. And as you say, it's like not talked about much, so it'd be great to learn more about that. And we'd definitely love to share that to our audience. Um, please follow Dr. Panda on Twitter as well um, and to be, up to, to be up to date on the latest news. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel and this Twitter space will be distributed on Spotify and Apple Music. Please make sure you subscribe to that as well. 
Thank you for listening to the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Visit our website for more information regarding our podcast and other news on Japan. Catch you next time.